0: Hey mama, welcome back to the Commerce Mama podcast. I am so excited for you to listen to today's interview because I'm actually interviewing my very own therapist. So Lina Acosta-Sandau has been my therapist since 2017 and I have to be honest with you, I wouldn't be like half of the parent I am today without her, without her support, without me like constantly asking Lina questions that just set my heart at ease and just just everything you're gonna hear this interview and you're gonna understand what i'm talking about lena is a truly magical person she is empathetic and the beauty about lena is that she sees you for who you are like you spend five minutes with her and like she sees you and she understands you and like she embraces you you know and it's it's amazing and i don't know how she does it it's I don't know it's like it blows my mind but uh yeah lena is a truly phenomenal person and all the information that we talked about like uh the web the links to her website and the ways you can work with her i'll leave everything linked down below i just want to put a disclaimer i am not getting any sort of kickback from lena from doing this interview like lena is a truly magical person the type of person that the world needs more of um and she's really magical and amazing and Whenever I talk to parents who are struggling or parents who don't understand why the, their kids is always having a tantrum and all these things, I always point them to Lena because Lena has the answers. And if you do nothing at all, but you just go back and like check out her uh, YouTube channel where she has the replays of all, all the talks that she has done in the past, or you read her blog, you're gonna feel feel so seen and heard and understood in a way that you have never before. So make sure that you head over to the show notes where I leave all this information, Mama, and enjoy this episode. Thank you, Lena, for making time to come on the show. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for asking me. I'm happy to share, share the love and share the service uh, that you have allowed me to share with your family. Yes, well,
0: we're very grateful for you. And for the Mamas who haven't met, all the greatness that you are, please tell them who
1: you are and what you do. I am Lina Costa-Sandal. I am the owner and founder of Stop Parenting Alone, which is a parenting consultation and social emotional learning consulting program that I came up out of my little head. And the way that that happened was that I too became a mother. And like it is, you know, the parenting journey changes us and makes us wonder and think about who do we want to be uh, for ourselves and for our kiddos. So as part of my parenting journey, I discovered that I wanted to be that person that supports the parent so often. uh, The children get support, but the parents are forgotten. And at the end of the day, if the parents are not okay, the little ones are not okay. So uh, to do that, I got a master's in clinical psychology. I got expertise in child development. I trained with, you know, fancy pants uh, people in trauma and neuropsychology in something called interpersonal neurobiology, which is kind of like the mixture of um science, biology, psychology, and sociology to really take a look at how all of those things affect the development of the organ that I work with, which is the brain. So that's me in a nutshell.
0: Guys, in like a true nutshell, Lena is magical. Like sometimes I'm like, Lena is psychic or Lena has a camera inside my house because she nails everything in the head. And by the way, there might come a point that Lena might say something, and I start crying because Lena is my safe space. And sometimes I like think of Lena, or I see Lena, and I like, start bawling because she's like my safe space. So I'll try not to cry on the podcast for no other reason other than crying on a podcast doesn't sound good. But anyway, <laughs> Lena, the other day—well, actually, it was about two months ago. It was the second week of school, so you know my kids were still going to school at that time, and my son couldn't go to class because they were in quarantine. And I was really trying to get work done the prior week my dog had passed. And, you know, I was angry with my son, you know, he's four years old and couldn't get any work done. And, you know, I'm like, just, just play with your Legos. I have to get work done. But really, I, I went to YouTube and then this video popped up. It was this little girl. She's seven and she was doing a TED talk. And I was like, oh, that's cute. Let me, let me look at this. And she's just, have you seen that talk, by the way? I haven't yet. Everybody
1: keeps sending it to me, so I think, it, I think it's something I need to watch. <laughs> yes,
0: so she she's like so well spoken, and she's talking about you know having the connection with your kids and all these things. And I'm like, okay, two things. I am not like making a connection with my kid right now. I'm in front of a screen, yelling at him, telling him I have telling him that I have to work when I'm not. And two, my daughter is going to be seven next year and Ted hasn't reached out to me yet. So I am messing up a lot. So, you know, I think for us mamas, there's such this, this guilt and this struggle of I I have this business and I have to make it work or I have a job and all these things and I have to be present with my kids and I am torn because I can't do both. What do you have to tell these mamas?
1: Okay. So first and foremost, my number one rule as it pertains to parenting is that if you are not okay, the children are not okay. And within the 24-hour span, because the only way to get through the journey of parenting is to do it the way that the 12-step people do it, one day at a time. Um, Every, every time there's every, you know, parenting is about choices between long term and short term choices. And I want parents to most of the time choose long term choices rather than short term ones. And if I look at it from the example that you gave me. Your long-term choice was an appropriate choice. You knew that if you would have stayed with your little tiny 4-year-old, if you would have stayed with with your 6-year-old, you would not have been the present loving mama that they needed. Even if you went to like decompress with a YouTube video, even if you even if you guys get stuck on TikTok. I want to give you permission to do that but with choice. Knowing that you're filling your bucket, however you need to fuel it. And sometimes you need to fuel your bucket by just shutting off your brain with something ridiculous. Like, well, that wasn't ridiculous. I mean, it was a tech talk. You you were like actually doing something fabulous, but sometimes it's just, you know, scrolling. And the more you judge yourself less for taking those moments of like calming down before you engage with your children the long-term choice that you're making is that you're protecting your relationship right if you if you if you grit and bear it you're in the short term yeah you're there yeah you're doing the whatever perfect little like activity or craft with your child but you're miserable and so are they and, and so in the short term, yes, they're getting the craft or whatever super, I mean, I'm sure that your mamas are all like overachievers like yourself, right? So they're pre- making sure that it's the perfect sensory plate or the perfect water play and good, good job, ladies. However, if you are gritting and bearing it, you're not working on the on the most important long-term choice, which is your relationship with your baby. So I would say that's how you make your choices. Can I be loving and present as best I can in these 24 hours? Because I also didn't sleep last night. And I'm also very, very hungry. And I have to feed my kids first, right? (laughs) Because that's also happening in the 24 hours. And will it add or take from the relationship bucket between me and my baby? And again, sometimes the best choice is to go to the bathroom, scroll and go back, you know, to to the task that is, you know, being in the jungle with the emotions and the craziness of being a parent of children under 10.
0: And what about when you do mess up their relationship, when you do blow up with your kids and then you just feel like, oh, my gosh, I did it again. So what, what happens then?
1: So again, if we're holding in mind the long-term goal of having a relationship with our babies, the reality of relationship is not that it's always good. The reality of an intimate, loving relationship, whether it's romantic, whether it's with family, whether it's with friends, is that we have ups and downs. And when you mess up, you are teaching your children by modeling to them how to manage conflict, and how to manage those moments where where we're not at our best. So when you do mess up, go back and talk to the child. Now, not with Oh, I'm so sorry, I messed up. I'm a horrible person, you know, and, but but going there, and, and respecting them. So saying to them, you know what, I screamed, and I scared you. And that was because I was frustrated and I forgot to drink some water. I forgot to breathe. I forgot to walk away. And that happens sometimes when we have big feelings. It happens to you. It happens to me. But the best thing that we can do is to tell one another and try try better next time. Every single time a parent does that, you're teaching them how to deal with conflict and relationship. And you're also giving them an esteemable moment. Self-esteem is not gained by saying affirmative quotes. You know, I am this, I am that. If your brain doesn't believe it, that actually hurts you more. Esteem is built by esteemable experiences. So I want everybody to kind of one more time, give yourself a break, because when you mess up and then you go clean it up, you're building your children's (laughs) self-esteem, Now, that's not an excuse to just like blow up all the time, Um, you know, but it is but it is the appropriate way to manage it. And again, with the long term goal of my relationship with my child, who do I want them to to think about when they're 30, 40, 50 um, is what I want everybody to hold in mind.
0: Now, Lena, is there such a thing as
1: balance? No. Okay, balance happy children 100% of the time. Uh, what's the other one? Uh, not ever messing up, uh, perfect parents, uh, knowing exactly, you know, what to say and what to do so your children grow up thriving. All of those are these ginormous urban myths and something like if, you know, at least in the United States, this this myth that somehow it's just one thing that you can do to make everything better. And nothing is one thing. Right. So instead of thinking about I'm going to balance this, think about you're going to make a choice. Right. So when you're doing your work, you're you're choosing that task. And by definition, your children won't have you. Right. They, they won't with you. They they won't have those hours with you, uh, but if you're choosing the work, then you can concentrate and you can do that single task. And, and by the way, that's the other urban myth, right? That somehow you, get, you multitasking is is a good thing. It actually it isn't. That's not the way that the brain works. The brain works best in focused moments, short spurts, and haha, that's a joke for anybody with children under seven. It's incredibly difficult to find that amount of time. And sometimes you do have to go to, you know, the the rental office, or the the coffee shop, uh, to to away from the kids, that doesn't hurt the kids. Actually, it's better than you working, and you constantly going, wait, 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 I'd much rather you go Spend four hours at your local coffee shop or you know the rent office spot, and focus on that. And have some other loving human being with your kiddos, giving them that circle of connection. That's better. So not balance choice. And then when you're with your kids, be with your kids. And again, they don't need a lot. That you know most kids need your undivided attention for 20 minutes. That's about it. But Think about every single task that you do with them. The, the bathing, the bedtime, the feeding as circles of connection and circles of affection. To us, the adults, those feel like tasks. For them, it's love. So at those moments also, that allow that to be a time when you're when you, when you know where your feet are, where you're breathing through it and you're present to your baby. And then that way you don't feel like you have to go to like some magical, like, you know, theme park uh to, to make them happy. You can make them happy in those little tiny bursts of moments that we do every single day. And then choose it. So how do you think about balance? Well, throw it away to think about your choice. And with everything, no matter what you're doing, whether it's work or children, it's about quality of time rather than quantity. So a quality 20 minutes is better than a quantity, you know, it's better than four hours and you telling them constantly, wait, 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 wait.
0: Yeah. So yesterday I was on my phone ordering groceries and my daughter was like mommy 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 look at me look at me look at me and I'm like baby mommy needs five minutes I'm ordering food and I like showed her the app I'm like look mom is ordering food for us to have groceries here I just need five minutes can you wait she looks at me and says no mommy I cannot wait <laughs> because that's my daughter she like tells me the truth all the time but of course she does wait but yeah it's just I feel like the more you communicate things to children at an, an age-appropriate level, while understanding that may not always understand or agree with you, because I think that's the other mistake that I make, right? Like, I am I'm communicating to you, and you should just be an agreeable human, but they're not.
1: You know, so no. holding,
0: holding that as expectation, you know, like or letting go of expectation, rather, you know, it
1: goes yeah, a hundred percent, and and that's a beautiful interaction, right? Because. What that says to me is she could be honest with you, mommy, I can't wait. Right. And by the way, quick tip, if, if you say that, hey, mommy's ordering groceries, um, mommy needs to concentrate so I don't get it wrong. Uh, so giving them information, especially anybody between five and ten, they always need the why they need the why. I because I said so is, is, you know, only when you're having a bad day, but that's not the appropriate way to respond to them. But when she goes, mommy, but I can't be patient. That's when you can do your voice and say, okay, well, right now, uh, and then you start just describing what you're doing so that they feel like they're having a conversation with you, right? And then you start, oh, I'm going to press the button here, and I'm going to pick the milk, and I'm going to press the, milk, you know, the button here, and I'm going to pick and whatever it is that you're buying. And that that's not going to work 100% of the time, <clears throat> especially for anybody under seven, but it works most of the time you know, describing what you're up to. Oh, I'm, um, oh, I, I'm making some quinoa and I'm going to put some, I'm going to put the, there, this is a cup. And then they kind of, and then they start talking to you about what you're doing. And then they get that circle of connection. Cause most of the time they're just, they're telling you, see me, love me. I'm here for you.
0: Yeah. Which now that I'm homeschooling, there are the times that I'm like, oh my God, I spend all day with you. And still you want me to look at you for every single cartwheel you make or like, look at this drawing. And it's like, you know, a scribble on a piece of paper. And I'm like, oh my God. Like yesterday I told my husband, I, I need five minutes. I just, I need to go in the kitchen and cook and pretend that I'm all alone. So just and, and, you know, I'm lucky because my husband and I, we do this dance, so we've been getting better at this dance. So like, you pick mm-hmm. up, you know, we, we hand the kids to off to each other, but I want to go back to what you said, which is 20 minutes with your kids. Yes. And speaking from experience, playing is really hard for me because I didn't play as a kid. And you talked to me about this the other day, which completely blew my mind. So can you talk to mamas why it's so hard to sit down and play with her kids?
1: Well for some of us um in that went, the way that we grew up, we never played so we never learned to play and that's kind of like what what is called a ghost in the nursery right something from your past influencing your present. So if if you were raised um a, a lot of a lot of people that are only children um that were raised around adults, there is a high possibility that they asked you to 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 do things that were not childlike right to sit and talk with them and 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 a child adjusts to the adults right so then maybe you you were more conversational you were interacting with the adult the way that the adult wanted you to do because when children play it's loud it's silly Uh, bodies are thrown around and there's no balance to their bodies you know people people don't know that when children are in full joyful excitement silliness that that high pitch sound and that loss of physical like balance is normal for anybody that's under seven years old right so for if you were and, and most And children that and adults that don't know how to play, there's a high possibility that when you were a child and you had that normal, messy body, loud voice, uh, they told you to be quiet. And they told you to like act right, or they told you they gave you some. So now you don't have that muscle. You don't have the play muscle, right? You don't know how to play. And FYI, Children don't need you to get down and and you do the silly and you do the high pitch sound and you do the physicality. They don't need that. They just need you to witness them. Right. So in play, what if you are the person that you weren't able to play when you were a little person because of how you were raised? Because maybe there was, you know, difficulties that when you were younger, just sit on the ground and narrate what they're doing and honor their energy. I know it's hard, that high pitch sound, the loss of balance, you know, just but, but that is what happiness and play looks like. And also choose play that you like, you do not have to play the game that they want to play. And the way to get out of playing the game that they want to play is to say to them, if mama plays this game right now, mama is not going to be able to stay kind and patient and loving because I have a hard time playing that game. But I would love to play and then give them a list of things that you would like to do. Right. So like for me, I love drawing. I love, you know, telling stories. I love like pulling out a puppet and creating a play. So that's what I used to do with my kids when they were little. Right. I was not the one at the park with them climbing the slide because it terrified me. But I knew as a developmental person that they have to climb, that they have to, you know, get muddy and dirty and you know put their hands in the in, in the grass. And you know, but I was not that person, you know, and because when I was growing up, I was always made to stay clean, clean and pretty. Clean and pretty was the message for little Lena. Right. So I I found that when my children were getting messy, I was like, oh my God, and it would drive me nuts. I still to this day, even when I was doing like a lot of play therapy, I do not allow Play-Doh anywhere near me. But that's the ghost in my nursery, right? So it's about choosing what you can do, loving yourself enough to know, I never learned how to play, so I'm gonna watch my kids do it and learn from them. And being honest with your kiddos. I have a hard time with this. I can't stay loving and kind if we play that game. But I can stay loving and kind if we play this game. And your kid is going to be like, okay, because they want to play with you. Yeah. And
0: my kids are still getting used to me playing with them because I love observing them. I am an observer because as a kid, that's what I did. Or I would. my grandma had this huge backyard and I would climb trees and be up there by myself, which again, I love being alone. Uh, So getting used to me, uh, yesterday, I I put on some music and I embracing my inner hippie and I I put on Beatles and I was dancing and they were looking at me like, who is this person? Because at the same time that I'm like a hippie and I'm like, you know, lovey-dovey, whatever. I'm also like, okay, I I can also have this robotic, you know, C-3PO side of like, this is not okay. We have to have control over the situation. And I was meditating yesterday. And he came to me like, there is no control. Control doesn't exist. And I'm like, it doesn't exist, which Mm -hmm. I knew that, like, I knew that theoretically, but like in practice, like Mm -hmm. it came to me yesterday. So I'm still trying to wrap my head around that.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, we think we can control things, but no, most of the time we're just responding. Hopefully most of the time we're responding rather than reacting, right? And, And no. There's zero control. It's just what do you do with what you're shown? Back to, we only have 24 hours. Within the 24 hours, we're making that long-term choice of relationship over everything else.
0: Yes. Nalina, there is something else that you always mention, which is the bedtime and having that talk. So can you talk about that? Because I think that's so beautiful and so important.
1: So um, something that I want parents of young children to get really accustomed to doing is having kind of like the time at night to process the day, right? We as adults do it naturally. We may be brushing our teeth or, you know, maybe laying in bed and thinking about our day and, you know, thinking about what we should have said, what we could have said, what we can say next time. And young children um, don't have that ability. Or some do, that as well, but that's what causes a lot of the 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 bed, the bedtime pushback, right? Because it, their their brain kind of attacks them with like thinking about the day. So what I want most parents to do is to you know, it's starting as young as one, as young as two, um, you know, at first you you talk about the the feelings of the day. Like in a perfect world, you would do it seven out of seven days, but. If you can't, because you're tired, and I understand that. And remember, go back to my original rule. Can you be a loving mama if you're doing this task? And if the answer is no, don't do it. Pick a shortcut, right? But but definitely do it on days where either the child or you have blown up emotionally, right? And you can say to them, so the The children zero to four, you can say something to the effect of, oh, today was a hard day for both of us. You didn't want to stop playing to eat. And then we both used loud voices because we were both frustrated and sad. Um, And but that and that happens sometimes and we forgot to breathe. And, you know, so so for the under four year olds, you describe what you imagine they felt and what you felt. Right. Somewhere between four and a half and all the way to like seven, they can tell you. So at that age group, same thing. oh, today I had a hard day and I, I used a really loud voice and we disagreed about your homework and how we were gonna do it um, and how we were gonna you know do do the, the schoolwork. And how was it for you? So somewhere between four and a half and seven, we asked them about it and and then they'll tell us. You know, especially if you've been using a lot of, you know, emotional language. If you have not done this and you have children five and older for a couple of months, do it, do the one to four version where you're giving them the feelings. And when the five-year-old goes, no, I was angry. Don't say, no, you weren't. Just say, oh, I got it wrong. You were angry, right? So whenever a child tells you how they felt, don't say no. Just say, oh, really? Tell me more. And then build that. Now, why do I want you to build that? Because you're creating a a neural pathway. You're creating this beautiful, you know, neuron that teaches them that I process hard things. I process big feelings. I process difficult scenarios with my parent. And that neuron is going to fire when they're 13, 15, 20 30, 40, they're going to have a really bad day and the neuron is going to fire and they're going to be like, oh man, I really need to call my parents. I really need to think this through. And if you wait to have those conversations when they're 14, it's too late. It's better to do it now. And then you continue to build that safe space, right? That space where we get to tell each other about our, our are yucky. We get to tell each other about our big feelings and we get to tell each other what we can do next time. And that's that's the better place to give all those beautiful parenting values that you guys are trying to do while your child is screaming on the ground. So that's the best time to teach your values and teach your, your, your rules rather than when they're screaming at you. Because when they're screaming at you, it's just about helping them calm their emotions.
0: Yeah. And I find that when I do that too, it helps calm down my guilt. Because, for example, the other day, I was like, baby, we had a really sucky day today. Let's just go to sleep and tomorrow have a better day. And my daughter was like, mommy, it wasn't a sucky day. I had a good day. So, you know, I was so caught up in my own head of like, we had a bad day, but for her, it was just fine. So I, I think having those conversations also, you know, help mm-hmm. calm down the mama brain and the mama heart. Because the days that I don't do that, I'm like going in my head, I'm like, it sucked do they suck I'm a terrible mom I should give my kids up for adoption and I've like seriously thought that before (laughs) but that I am not qualified to raise my kids and you know on easier days I'm like you know I just I need to go sleep with my kids right now because that's how they know I love them but then I remind myself that they move too much and sleeping with them whenever everybody's sleeping is not going to solve anything but that's my thing I'm like I just need to hop into bed with my kids so that they know I love them but I would make things worse and I wouldn't sleep
1: sleep What a beautiful gift for your baby in, in that in that example. Right. She was able to be empathic with you. Oh, mommy. No, don't think that. And again, relationship, you're building your relationship with her. She is going to be 25 years old and she's going to look at you and she's going to be like, mom, are you thinking that you should give me up for adoption? Because that's going to be her in the future. Like, no, lady, knock it off which is beautiful, right? Because at 25, she could say that. She could say something funny like that, right? So, you know, my version, my 16-year-old the other day was like, mom, because I used to say to them, my head is telling me, right? Whenever I wanted to say something that I thought that they were imagining. And I started doing that, by the way, that's a trick for those of you that have children eight and older, right? You know, my head is telling me that you're really mad or whatever it is that you're making up in your head. And then, so I had a face and my 16-year-old just looked at me. She was like, what's your head telling you, mom? Because whatever it is, it's wrong. I was like, okay, 16-year-old lady, you know, but she was right. And I was like, well, my head is telling me. And then I broke, broke, you know, broke it down for her. But again, we have been doing that for years. Yeah. So, yeah. it's this yeah.
0: is amazing. And then one last question I have for you, Lena, is you always talk about the division of responsibility in parenting. So can yeah. you talk about that? <laughs>
1: So the other urban myth, uh, for those of you that are parenting with a partner, is that, it, that the division of labor has to be fair, some, some form of 50-50. And actually, it is the, you know, culprit number one of three things that couples do that hurt their intimate relationship when they have children, you know, the fighting over the division of labor. Um, and, find, you know, number two is finances. And number three is isolation, right? Um, parent, parents of young children tend to isolate away from other uh, other people that used to support them uh, when they were single or when they were childless. And that is also an issue. But if you deal with the division of labor, a lot of the other two things will get taken care of. So how do you split up tasks as parents? Well, first and foremost, write down your routine, right? People sometimes tell me that they don't have routines, but you do. Like if you really slow down and you think about what, what happens most days, most days we wake up, we have breakfast, we get dressed, we fight to get in the car to like go leave and do whatever it is that we're going to do. Uh, but it's, it's a general thing. So you look at the routine and you think about who has a, the strength, the great, the, the higher strength in that particular task. So for some of us, bedtime is easy, right? But for the other parent, it they're dead to the world. And, you know, thinking about loving and holding for another minute, this child is just when you want to shoot your head, right? And by the way, wanting to shoot your head when you're a parent is perfectly normal and or throwing them across the room. Nobody is actually doing that but feeling that tension is normal. So, I want you to look at the routine and say who does what best. And most of the time because I know life happens and you can't do it every single time, that is a parent that does that. There's a parent that does bath time well. There's a parent that does meal well. There's a parent that does the park well. You know, back to my case, you know, when my kids were little, I was never I never went to the park. I sent my husband to the park with the kids. Um, but he was awful at dinner time. It just would, you know, like it would just overwhelm him that they didn't eat, you know, and I'd be like, all right, chill out, dude. It's like we don't force anybody to eat. Right. So his thing, you know, I guess his ghost is he was raised in 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 poverty and he felt like they were being entitled and not finishing this meal that we worked so hard for. So You look at the routine and you split it into which, which, what, what does each caregiver do? best. Let's pretend that, you know, you have extended family helping you. And and you know that the grandparent really doesn't like setting boundaries with your child. Well, they're not the bedtime person. You know, they're the mealtime person, because it's really easy to just be there and happy and in a conversation with a little person at mealtime. So it's finding the strength. And sometimes when you find the strengths within the routine, you know, it isn't 50-50. It might be 60-40. It might be 70-30. And let's pretend that you are the caregiver that has the 70 if there's two people. Now you can think about back to this idea of like isolation is a big reason why romantic relationship between the partners kind of dies down when you have young children. That's when you can think about, all right, I can't do 70% of this for sure. So that's when you seek assistance. That's when you like, you, you break it up into something outside of the two people that are caregiving. And, and so it helps you make decisions. Again, don't feel guilty that you're giving your children you know, to somebody else to do lunch with them or to, to do nap time with them. Remember, quality over quantity. So if you know that lunch and nap time is really your best time to focus on your work, it's perfectly fine. And your partner is awful at night, at nap time. Um, Well, don't give it to your partner. Don't give it to yourself. Find assistance, right? And I am a fan of groups of parents getting together and helping one another with babysitting. Um, Sometimes that's a way to do it without high cost. I, because, and, and just being very, very clear on like, you know, doing that back and forth. I'm a fan of carpooling. I'm a fan of more adult in your children's lives rather than less.
0: Yes. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I just want to say one thing. When I, I met Lena in 2015, it was a month before I gave birth to my daughter and Lena blew me away. Like with all that she said but I didn't actually get help from Lena until 2017 because I I was like, I am a mom and my intuition is going to kick in and I'm supposed to know what I'm going to do. And I'm going to rock it. And I had read this book. It was like the happiest babe on the block, or There was a video or something where this doctor was saying that, you know, he had met his parents whose kids never cried because the parents could anticipate what the baby needed. And I was like, My baby is never going to cry because I am going to be like an anticipator mom. And she cried a lot, a lot. And I was just like, I'm doing something wrong. And it was a year and a half of me like doubting myself until I was like, I'm not doing well. I need help. And I told my husband, and my husband was like, I think you're fine. I think you're fine. I'm like, I have not
1: slept in a year and
0: a half. I'm not fine. So that's when I came to Lena because I was sleep deprived. And most parents come to Lena because they're sleep deprived, right? Yes.
1: (laughs) Yes. Sleep deprivation, tantrums at three, sassiness at five, yeah. Uh, school pushback in third grade, and um, seeking independence and debate in adolescence. So, and all of these that I just named are normal developmental markers in a children's life, and they are our roadblocks in our parenting journey and and how we are going to learn and and manage it and change who we are as human beings. So, yes, most definitely. And, um, you know, babies cry to communicate. So having the goal of anyone under four not crying or not falling apart, or not feeling frustration or not feeling disappointment, is asking the young children not to be human. And I cannot say that enough. I know that out there, that's another myth, in it, and it's a very dangerous myth that somehow parents are supposed to keep their children happy a hundred percent of the time. And that creates, very entitled <laughs> narcissistic sometimes anxious sometimes depressed people because if your goal is to keep your child happy you are telling them that frustration disappointment and sadness is dangerous and frustration disappointment and sadness is neither dangerous or excellent it's an emotional reflex and it's part of our humanity so when your baby is crying, that's an opportunity for your child to learn how to manage sadness, frustration, disappointment. And when, and and in each developmental marker, we respond to that sadness and frustration in different ways. And yes, with infants, we pick them up and hold them 100%. You know, so that that's unfortunate that you had given yourself the goal that my baby will never cry. Because that was an impossible goal.
0: Well, Lina, if you know anything about me, it's like majority of my goals are impossible. I, I live in La La Land. So I and thank God for Lina who like gives me this come to Jesus moments and like sets me right. Anyway, Lina, I have one very last question for you. I have two actually. One is what do you want parents to know? Or like, is there a book that you wish every parent would read or something like something? Ooh. They're like,
1: please Ooh. Okay, I love it. I love that you're asking me that. So um, if you're a brand new parent, if you have the the littles under two, um, throw everything else away and get the book Brain Rules for Baby. Um, It's my favorite book. Every year it gets updated because uh, the author, he does all the reading of all the most recent research and you get the cliff notes in this book. So it's one of my favorite books. Uh, for those of you that have toddlers, children two, two to four, um, the emotional life of the toddler is magical. It will help you understand the, under, the, the, the this little person that's really confusing. Um, and it's it's so it's it's so respectful of the parent and the the child. so the emotional life of the toddler. And then um, there's a series by uh, Tina Payne Bryson and Dan Siegel. Um, There's a series of three books and no matter what book you get, you're gonna get something out of it and they're excellent. So the series is, the first book is The Whole Brain Child. The second book is No Drama Discipline and their most recent book is The Yes Brain. Um, And I, I highly recommend those for just, you know, moving forward in in the parenting cycle. And I would say that when you read a book, a parenting book, you don't have to fit yourself into the values and the, and the experience of the book. You have to take the tools from the book and fit them into you, your individuality, your value system, who you are as a person. Sometimes parents, make the mistake of reading a book and and like becoming a chameleon and doing exactly what the book says and that's not what your family needs because if you can't sustain it uh then it's useless so i would say that that that's that's what i would recommend
0: so and where can people connect with you
1: Well, everybody can go to the website. Uh, The website is Um, StopParentingAlone.com. In the blog area of the website, uh, there's blogs in English and Spanish. And then there's also recorded talks and that I have done. That I every once in a while I I do free uh, Q and A's for parents. So those are there, and every every one that I've done is recorded and it's placed there. And you could also look at the events page to see another upcoming free (laughs) question and answer that I do. I do them, you know, like sporadically. You can find me on Instagram. Uh, st- at stop parenting alone. I we tend to put like quotes and tips uh, every Monday and Wednesday. So you know, you could see that um, you can follow me my own personal uh, Instagram. It's at parenting expert. Um, I tend to be a little more uh, candid uh, on that page. So if you want to hear my crazy rants while I'm doing my walking in the morning, <laughs> every once in a while, I'm like, let's talk about this. <laughs> That's where you would follow me. Um, and and in, in Facebook, we're also uh, Stop Parenting Alone. So um, everything is pretty much there. And soon, coming soon, um, my courses, my online courses uh will be on teachable. But um that's gonna that that you know, I'm doing that. I, I, I keep telling people that I'm just flowing with that. There's no timeline when it comes, it comes. You know, it's gonna be like my I'm birthing it. It's taken a long time. So uh so to know about that release, uh, join the email list. Um, you can text the word ready to six six eight six six. And we will be letting everybody know about the teachable courses in the email list. So and then when you join the email list, like you'll you'll get a bunch of emails from me, you know, on, on books, on things, you know, uh, the newsletter, you know, just also little tiny rants that I'm like, hey, have you thought about, you know, so um I don't think it's spammy I, I mean I, can, I know how email can get spammy but no, I try to not. give as much information as possible.
0: No it's not even like things that you I know that you've said before I still go back and read them. So <laughs> it's, it's not spammy and I, I subscribe to everything so that's <laughs> yeah, I'm honest. And Perfect. the way that I work with Lena is in her membership group, which is not like a long-term membership that you're locked in for life. Lena sends an email letting you know, I'm gonna charge you if you don't wanna come like anymore. Just let me know. Like Lena's like the most honest person I know. And that's how I get help from Lena. And if you wanna join, you can go back and watch all the lives that I did that I'm like falling apart inside of this Facebook group. But everybody there is loving and kind and
1: Yes, yes, and that's that's online parenting support.com. So it's a it's a subscription uh, where you have me in your cell phone. So Tuesdays I answer questions of the parents in the group. There's a private Facebook group where you can ask me a question and I'll answer it. I, I attempt to answer them within twenty four to forty eight hours. And yes, uh, you can cancel at any time. Yes.
0: Well, Lena, thank you so much. This is so much fun. I'm so grateful for you uh, giving us your time and can't wait to talk to you
1: soon. Yay. Thank you for allowing me to do my passion. Without families like yours, I can't live my passion. And mama, remember that you're capable,
0: strong. You can do hard things. And until next time, may you be wrapped in peace, love and kindness, and I will catch you in the next episode. Bye.